The following podcast was recorded Tuesday afternoon and contains candid views on the subject of race and unrest in Baltimore and is intended for mature audiences. It does not necessarily represent the views of Grantland or its parent company, ESPN. And now, Remba Explains. Oh, it's my life I has to fight. Oh, it's my life I... Hard times like yeah, bad trips like yeah, Nazareth, I'm f***ed up, homie, you f***ed up, but if God got us, then we gon' be alright, right, we gon' be alright. Hello everyone, uh, welcome right. to Rembrandt Explained Season 3, Episode 2, Emergency Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Jamil Smith, Senior Editor from The New Republic, one of a handful of guests that going to have come through the studio today because there is a uh, a moment happening in society in in America and this wasn't planned but last night kind of felt like I needed to <clears throat> get some stuff off my chest needed to talk to some other people that um, clearly have been feeling things that I've noticed publicly conversations privately uh, regarding the things happening in Baltimore regarding regarding the death treatment funeral of Freddie Gray and Jamil is someone who I knew had some things to say about the matter. Um, so thank you for coming. Of My course. Pleasure. Just as a quick backdrop, yesterday, so on April 12th was when Freddie Gray, a young black man, and I think 25? 25. Uh, years 25 old. Yeah. in Baltimore was taken into custody. And there have been, as, as is the case, uh, differing accounts of what happened once he was taken into custody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the end result was that his um, spine was broken um, severely that led to his death a week later on the 19th. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, so this is Tuesday, so Monday night was his funeral and, in Baltimore. And the, <clears throat> the funeral... Uh, Plus reactions from the police, the city government, led to uh, action in the streets last night in Baltimore, which is kind of why I wanted to talk about what we've seen, what we've heard, what we know is going on, what we know isn't being talked about. So I asked Jamil to come up with two things that stuck out to him, and one of them, which is... it's always whether it's Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, Trayvon, Ricky, like every single one, we always lose sight of what actually happened. So the idea we still don't know what happened uh, to Freddie Gray. I mean, that, that, that to me is the, is the key thing. Um, at the end of the day, we can forget about the violence for a moment that happened last night. We can forget about the words of politicians that, you know, whether or not they choose to use the word thug or what have you, which we can get into. Yeah. But Really, at the end of the day, it's been more than two weeks since this young man's voice box was crushed and his spine was 80 percent severed. Um, All that happened within police custody, because you can see in the video when he's picked up that he's screaming in pain. So obviously his voice box is intact. Yes. Um, We don't know what the extent of his injuries were when they picked him up, but he was it seemed like he was able to stand up. So. Whatever happened to him happened in that van, and it's two weeks later. And how do we not know 
what happened? And that to me is is why I think that you know anyone who's surprised at the level of of unrest and the level of insurgents that we saw last night is is really missing the, the larger picture here. I mean, folks have been waiting for answers for a long time, and I'm not saying that necessarily justifies you know burning down a CBS or what have you. But what I'm saying is that we need to all keep this in perspective. Burning down a CBS is not you know, breaking a kid's neck. It's not, it's not like, crushing a kid's voice box. Like and CVS's we, can come back. CVS's, like you can yeah. rebuild, a, you can restock, you can rebuild a CVS. And as, as you were alluding to, like there's a, a common trend that is, you just can't ignore it is it's almost like this idea of, well, if we like week after day after day, week after mm-hmm. week, if we kind of just, continue to not explain what happened right either people will stop asking or forget or they'll be so focused by the the unrest and the the anger that's happening in the streets that the details of the case will begin to be a a distant memory but as as has been clear with each each case that's happened like People aren't forgetting. And what's 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 striking to me is that police seem to expect respect without handing it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear about how this started. You hear about apparently high school kids were distributing a flyer about having a quote unquote purge at the yeah. at the mall. Now, you know, maybe perhaps in reference to the film in which you know laws are suspended for a day. Yeah. We don't really know exactly what they had planned. That said. The police response was so overwhelming to a flyer distributed at a high school that it, 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 you know, presumably animated these kids to, you know, to rebel. And also they cut off public transit and were taking kids off buses. Teachers were posting posts on, you know, on social media and in other outlets regarding that. So basically you've trapped a bunch of kids in this area. You antagonize them by expecting them to respect you without you, you know, showing them that the respect that they deserve to vent their anger. You've already blamed them for the for all the bad stuff that's happening instead of instead of it's such a like when you take a step back there's so much stuff that's it's so obvious it almost seems planned it's like well if we divert everything that's been happening is all just an idea of diverting attention Mm -hmm. and it's like well if we divert attention to blaming this on social media which is a real thing that is being said right now like all of last night's events are 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 because of social media it's a very it's another easy way to make you forget about what happened in that van which still should it should every single time should be the thing we come back to yes everybody's looking for a boogeyman that doesn't necessarily have to do with the Mm -hmm. real not only the real systemic problems but still go unaddressed but also you know the very specifics of the specifics of this case. Why were people on the street? Why are people angry? It's because Freddie Gray was killed. For because Freddie Gray essentially was killed because he looked at a cop wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 2015, and we're you know we're seeing young black men die on the street because they look at a cop wrong and choose to run. Neither of which things are illegal. Nope, <laughs> not I, illegal I, to look at a cop and decide. You know what? I'm scared now. I, off, I I typically look at cops wrong because, especially in this climate, like I'm not. You, you just don't know. You just right. don't know. You if you fit, if you fit a profile, which is being a black man or a woman, mm-hmm. uh, 
you you just have to kind of at times hope. I mean, let's let's review. I mean, you have Michael Brown who allegedly ran towards a cop yes. and was killed. We have Rakia Boyd who was standing still doing nothing mm-hmm. and she was killed. We have uh, you know Freddie Gray who ran away from a cop and eventually was killed was under it? mysterious circumstances which are still yet unexplained. What are we supposed to do? What that's, are we supposed to do? That's every option. Yeah, I mean, are we supposed to? Like, I mean, other than perhaps bowing or, or or appearing servile, you know, to the people who are allegedly here to protect us. Yeah. That to me, I mean, the the entire paradigm. And that's part of what I wrote about yesterday uh, when I wrote about the fact that Loretta Lynch, uh, our new Attorney General, was sworn in at the same hour that Freddie Gray was being put in the ground. You know, this is a moment that, like, I think, you know, first of all, she needs to seize, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, on, in, in, in a very urgent way. And I get that there are other priorities for the attorney general. It's a big job. But at the same time, I mean, you there are things that need to that can be done immediately to Don't, change police culture. Yeah. Let's, you know, make make cops a little bit more afraid of their jobs, you know, that their jobs might go away yeah. if, you know, they they commit some, you know, some of these kinds of infractions, you know, make the fact that, you know, like this is a woman who convicted four cops for sodomizing Abner Louima in 1997 with no videotape. There was no videotape. There was no tape of these cops doing this. And she not only got convictions, but one of them was put away for 30 years. We got I mean, tapes. Can you imagine that happening today? If four, four cops are allegedly, allegedly sodomized a black man and you hear about it and you hear like, okay, I'm going to press charges. And this, this terrible thing happened to me. And there, people will be like, well, was there videotape? We've become entirely dependent upon this. Yeah. This videotape in order to make, you know, to, for people to even believe that this is a reality. In that way, I think we've actually regressed. And we get when and just to to make it wilder now that we have videotapes, still the tape often isn't enough. No. Which just it's like, like what else? Like does does the entire world need to be there? Like when it happens? Like it's almost the, at that point. The only tape it seems like where. You, you basically need a Walter Scott. You need Walter Scott to happen. You need a cop to literally pull out a gun and shoot a, 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 a unarmed black man while he's running away yeah. and kill him. That's what you need in order for people to believe you that this is actually, you know, that police brutality, that police killing is an actual problem. Yeah. And once we get down to the fact that the problem is not whether I think as some one tweeter put it a long time ago, um, this was, I think, last summer. Um, you know, we're still worried about whether or not um, Mookie broke the window. <laughs> and we're not worried about the fact that Radio Raheem was killed. As I wear my Radio Raheem. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we're we're still stuck in this paradigm. You yeah. know, that was 1989, and we're still stuck in that. Very stuck there. Uh, the other thing, uh, quickly, that I want that you did bring up that I do think is very, like, extremely important as – as we live in this culture where so much of what we're we're see like so much of the information we're gathering is you know what we see on a live stream what we see uh the photos of what we see on cable network xyz right. is this idea of of how violence is is talked about and you know <clears throat> giving context to violence people are very uncomfortable with like people are very uncomfortable with saying there is a 
there's a reason not even violence just anger there's a there's ever a reason to take out your anger on anything and right. uh you mentioned that as something that <clears throat> stuck out to you um i mean this this was a very much a theme of ferguson lots of other right. places but you, you know you see it happening again it's like how, how is you know you know from the you know the pre, uh the, the mayor of baltimore you know <laughs> referring to everyone as thugs yeah uh, i'm just, not sure exactly who th- she thought that would help uh, um yeah. i'm not exactly i get that i understand her frustration i understand her anger her city is is burning and i get it but i don't understand how inflammatory rhetoric or name calling solves anything um but that said that's a that's a minor point to make but i think that you know, as far as the violence itself, um, you know, folks really seem to be continually surprised whenever something like this happens. Yeah. And it's always seems to like for them, it seems like it's coming out of nowhere. And like what? Yeah. Like, like, whoa, people I in Baltimore know. are unhappy. Right. Like, and it seems like, they, you know, not only it's it's about the you know, it's it just shows you not only how uncomfortable people still are with expressions of, you know, with black expressions of anger or frustration or even intensity, but also it shows you that they're not even paying attention to the things that we be ang- that we are angry about. Mm-hmm. And so when we do get angry and some of us do express ourselves violently, then it's like, whoa, where is this coming from? Yeah, I, and, thought, I thought everyone was happy. Y'all got a black president. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, folks are too urgent to label people, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's just convenient for them. It's, it, we live in a hot take society. And it's rioters, easy. rioters, yep. rioters, rioters. Like that's the every single time it's like there's a new there's a new hot word. You know, <laughs> it, it was either like, you know, there was, you know, you had um, what was it outside uh Outside agitators. Outside agitators was yeah. like was like one month. You have now now it's rioters. It's like there's there's just these easy ways to to just like put all of the the troublemaking. Oh yeah, I mean I was by. in Ferguson recently covering the civic uh, elections, the yeah, city yeah. council elections, and I tell you what, I heard from especially from white residents there a lot of complaining about outside agitators still, yeah. and this is this is months later, and so. You know, we are we're in a position where, you know, black anger is, you know, I think too easily categorized and, and pigeonholed. Mm-hmm. And it's it's made sort of like easy, easy to consume yeah. via the media. And so if we just think that like, OK, these guys are rioters and it's just this, you know, terrible destruction and looting and gangs. Gangs is another word I've seen a lot oh, yeah. in the media today. Oh, yeah. Even though, you know, we're talking about children here, mostly children yeah. who don't have who have poor, you know, education, terrible neighborhoods, hunger to deal with, all these obstacles in their way. I mean, Freddie, if you, I mean, I read something today where Freddie apparently was exposed to lead paint oh, yeah. as a child. Oh, yeah. And so these are the kinds of things, these are the kind of obstacles that these kids are having to overcome that are being completely ignored from in the, the conversation. Jump, from the life jump. Right. And so, like, when are we, like, I think Elijah Cummings said during the funeral, like, did you see Freddie before this happened? Did you see Freddie? Did you did you understand the life not only that he was living the, the the obstacles he was having to overcome, but also you know just the reality that that so many who are still here and who still have to deal with that have to deal with. I mean, hell, if I was a seventeen year old kid in in West Baltimore and I saw what happened to Freddie Gray, I mean, I might not think that my life expectancy is that high. I might not think that I have much to lose. Yep. I mean, and, and if I if I know that no one's listening to me when I, you know, 
write an article in the school paper or I complain through my parents or I say something to my pastor. I'd pick up a brick. I'd probably pick up a brick. And, you know? and, and it's one of the reasons that, you know, when, you, when I see that video of, you know, the residents pushing towards the police and the police retreating, like, I don't feel that much sadness towards the police. I'm just like, I get it. That's anger. That's a bunch of people that aren't convinced mm-hmm. anyone cares about them and you know it's it's difficult um indeed uh jamil thank you for coming starting me off you know strong like we were saying this racism is uh killing us inside yes this racism is killing me inside very much appreciate it appreciate it for coming man thank you brother Welcome back to Rembrandt Explains, uh, continuing our conversation about the happenings in Baltimore. And I am here with our second guest, Doreen St. Felix, uh, a writer and artist from ye old Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. And again, like <clears throat> like I mentioned with Jamel uh, last night, watching a lot of the reactions after what was happening in Baltimore following... <clears throat> Freddie Gray's funeral, there were just a handful of people who I could tell things weren't sitting right with. Yeah. Like, had <clears throat> had a lot of emotions. Sometimes Twitter's a good good outlet. A lot of times it's just, like, it stresses you out more than anything. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I should hit up, I should hit up Doreen, who, I, who I'm just meeting for the first time. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so when it came to some of the things that stuck out to you, one of the things you mentioned to me was this idea of that there should be respectability politics mm-hmm. in protests. Like I, I think I think like I know what respectability politics is. I think you like when when you when you hear respectability respectability politics, what does that mean to you? Like what is that phrase? Cause it's becoming kind of a buzz. Yeah. Like, what does it mean to you? Yeah. It's one of those things that, you know, you don't immediately know that people are invoking respectability politics when they say something like, Oh, they shouldn't be like looting that store mm-hmm. or they shouldn't be mooning the police. Like that one yeah. guy did. Did yes. you see that? I did see that. That was clutch. Not mad at him. Not at, ma- all. Not mad at, him. <laughs> at all. But at any rate, um, for me, the way that I've always understood it, respectability politics in action has often had to do with black people internalizing or knowing that there's like a white gaze on the outside yes. and therefore responding to it. It's that it's that <clears throat> it's kind of that old notion of like don't act up in front of white people. Exactly. It's like if it's Thanksgiving and we're all at the crib, like you know, don't show out. <laughs> but like, if, like, like they're white people watch it. Like, exactly. Don't, don't your white it. uncle, you know, don't mess it up for your aunt or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's that thing. And it's so frustrating for me because I both understand the impulse to want to say, you know, there's this outside arm coming in, the media coming yes. into this community in Baltimore. That's never there. Yes. And that's why they are like, you know, being really precious about 
that moment of violence that happened yesterday as if the whole community has not been structured by violence yes. by the state. But at any rate, I understand, you know, like wanting to look good, also wanting to be safe, whatever that's supposed to mean. It's terrible. Yes. Also, the there's that there's that underlying current of uh, being respectable that is it it like will rub off on everyone mm. it's like well if you if you were if people are you know watching this live feed of of black people <clears throat> acting out that could then be turned on me black person like through through the eyes of that person like oh this is how like black people are and yeah. like that that's that's always been like the selfish aspect of it that there's a there's a there's a smidge of it that always comes back to the person who is who is preaching mm-hmm. the respectability because it's it like, has to do with like class ascendancy yeah and fitting in with people who are not primarily concerned with your humanity in the first place no. so what we saw yesterday or what i felt like i was seeing i saw mourning you yeah. know and then at the same time like concurrently people's desire to like self-police or police others in their mourning yeah and i think that <clears throat> i think the the other thing that you brought up that they're they're directly related um but it's 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 this notion of like there is like there is one way there's one way to act mm-hmm. you know like <clears throat> Like, there's one way to mourn. There's one way to, like, to feel pain publicly. You know, there's one way to treat treat a neighborhood. There's one way to treat your neighborhood. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's all these like blanket generalizations, where I think it's easy for people to be like, well, you don't act like, like I I mean I've had I've had people for the past 24 hours, <clears throat> people that I like, people that I trust that are just like, well, you just don't riot or like you just don't loot or something and like it's if it was that simple then if things were that simple then like the world would be different yeah we wouldn't be in this moment right now but nothing like nothing is ever that a leads to b always it's like you have to think about like baltimore and it's scary because when you think about the spectrums on one end it's respectability so-called comporting yourself in a way that this like strange media that's coming into your space will like make you look good but on the other end of the spectrum it's a man who went into a van for no reason whose spine was broken whose voice box was crushed and then seven days later he died and just the idea that we could be so conditioned and I don't like put us at fault for that conditioning but that we could be so internalized such that the specter of like a very real death doesn't like push us away from the respectable instinct is like terrifying to me. Yeah. I think it's uh one thing that I've seen a lot of and I've I'm watching as people get more fed up or kind of an interesting thing about this, I think people kind of catch themselves hmm. at times being a little bit more respectable than they need to be even like in their word choices like i even even in the past 12 hours i saw i saw like a very real trend from people being like i don't condone this 
behavior to even if I don't condone it, I get it. Yeah. To like maybe even I get it. Cause like, <laughs> like you know, like there are just like there's some degree where I I completely get it. Yeah. Even if I can't put myself in that person's shoes yet because I haven't like the this, person who's writing or yeah, the person who yeah the person okay. yeah like the person who is out in the street like with that urge to like pick up a brick and throw it at a police officer or throw it to a storefront window like mm-hmm. even if I still am not at that point internally where I can see myself doing it yet the idea of not being able to conceive why one would do that without thinking they're like completely in the wrong like it's I, posturing it, it's 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 again it's just like this this I, this posturing of like well i don't want to be seen as one of them yeah it's like well you know if you really broke yourself down not that different it just not hasn't happened all. to you yet it hasn't yeah. happened to your neighborhood yet it hasn't you might not have you might not have a space that has been that you know hasn't been cared for like has or has like Mm -hmm. the space that you care about hasn't been treated like it's nothing for three generations like but that that's that's been an upsetting thing because usually when we think about respectability politics we think about like the preachers at the top yeah and the politicians but it's it's happening like right here on a very visceral level and i think to that point like we kind of have to talk about like geography Mm -hmm. in this particular instance it's become a tick of both the media and of critics to call um any city that like experiences some type of response to police brutality as like the new ferguson so after that happened like oh yeah all of a sudden there were 50 Ferguson's in America when it's like the whole point is the reason that they respond in the specific way that they do is because of the specific structural violences that they're under and the history and whatnot. So, you know, you look at these pictures of like cop cars getting burnt and the CVS, you know, rest in peace Mm. to that CVS. Yeah. Um, I hope that it finds eternal salvation in the next life. (laughs) But at any rate, you look at these pics and that's supposed to be like read as violent, like brutish violence. Yes. But also, look at the picture of that neighborhood the week before when protests were going on. People don't talk about that. The nope. protests were happening nope. and they were peaceful. Look at that neighborhood. That is violent. Yeah. Look at those dilapidated houses. That is violence. Like blight is is a form of violence. Like blight that is Absolutely. completely treated as, well, that's how... That's how that neighborhood is, and <clears throat> to a certain degree, like that's how they want to live, and that's how those people are inherently, yeah. as if they haven't like been put in that situation. It's not violent in the sense that, like, it's it's not like a sexy violent. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like a oh, like there's a battle on the streets happening. It's just like no, like this is how this part of Baltimore has been left. And then like, that is, you know, that is like, I, one of the reasons that even a Baltimore, um, like what's happening in Baltimore hits me so hard is Mm. because like, I think if you, if you really understand like the fabric 
of a majority black neighborhood and like if you've like watched it just get ignored over time and like seen how that affects people and seen how it affects like families like generationally like mm-hmm. you know the the uphill battle like you know how it, it basically just feels impossible like yeah. it's like there's like like no one's ever gonna come save us and we don't know how to save ourselves but like the the thing that I hate when something like this happens is when and this goes to the other thing you mentioned to me is this idea of people who have never come in contact with neighborhoods like this then telling people that live in these neighborhoods like how to treat their neighborhoods or like how to exist in their neighborhoods it's like you you don't know you, you, you didn't even treat this like a real place until it like blew up all of a sudden the way that pronoun there gets thrown around like their community their homes really though is that the way that you had like been interacting with this space previously no it wasn't i think it's i mean you see this like all the way up in the nonprofit, like industrial complex in general yeah there's like a sense of maybe rhetorically investing ownership to those people living in those spaces but at the end of the day like if you haven't like if you don't have a grandmother and an auntie and a godmother who have struggled and who have had those three jobs like that's the kind of black that I am yeah (laughs) the kind of black space that I'm from um I can see a method of so-called like helping people that really is just admonishing people that um, we might like more often associate with the global south, like you know when Americans yeah. go and do yeah. um, work, nonprofit work down there. I see that kind of coming back mm-hmm. to our own spaces because that's the way Baltimore is being spoken about right now, yeah. as if it were you know America has a third world. Yes, and I, I think uh, it. There's th- this is a, a reasonable time to bring this up. I think it's just like. It makes me hate. It makes me almost wish, like, like the wire never existed. Oh my god! Did you see that Daily Intelligencer post? I saw you. T- I, 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 <laughs> wait, what was it? I didn't click on it because, like, what- so I I only got like two hours of sleep last night. Yeah. Because last night was terrible. How how could anyone sleep? Yeah. How could anyone sleep? It reminded me of like August of last mm-hmm. year. At any rate, like being online on Twitter and then. I was scrolling through my timeline, and I knew that, like, New York Mag was going to say some so whatever, Mm. but this specific framing left me speechless. Um, The tweet says something to the effect of, like, the creator and the actors of The Wire urged the people of Baltimore to, like, stop doing this. And then there was another post about David Simon, so he's the guy who who created The Wire. The head was, like... David Simon got no sleep last night thinking and vlogging about Baltimore. It's like everyone, everyone, okay, now we got to cool down. <laughs> now, now, okay. The, the, <laughs> the creator of The Wire lost some sleep last night. We got to, we got to shut it down. Everyone go to your homes, hug your loved listen, ones tight. Listen, <laughs> when I saw that. When I saw that. What did, you, what did you do? What did you do? Okay, I was like too exhausted to do anything. But 
Seriously, though, I mean, David Simon's not a bad guy. Like, the way that he talks about the city, I I don't agree with, you know, being as patronizing as he was in this statement and like, yes. bringing other people involved with The Wire to say something. But it was really illuminating because I have always sort of understood the audience of The Wire to be white people who were, like, needed to go on like black safaris of the mind or something black safaris of the mind (laughs) (laughs) um just the fact that it seems uh reasonable or plausible to connect a fictive world that is obviously based on real life but still fictional it's it's like it's not that's the thing like real no one wants to it's like it's like the Cosby show again. It's like, yo, <laughs> yeah. Bill Co- like, Cliff Huxable is not real. He's not actually my dad. <laughs> He's not actually my dad. Like, <laughs> like The Wire is based on, it, it, is, it, is, it is slightly kind of historical fiction. Kind, it's it's, it, it's like, not real. It's not real. But, it like, it's, it's real in the sense that Baltimore is real. Mm-hmm. And it's real in the sense that there are cops and, like, there are corners and there are, like, drugs exist. And there are, like, there are systems. Like, like that stuff is real. But, like, at the end of the, like, when it comes down to it, it's still, like, a, a show of actors. Absolutely. And that, you know, at any moment that I see the blanket statement of person X from this town or person X that has any sort of relationship with this town mm-hmm. urges residents to stop. Like I saw that with Carmelo today who was from Baltimore and obviously Carmelo like like cares about Baltimore and I like I like I it's better it's <laughs> here's the thing, it's better than nothing. It is I a hundred percent is better I think it's better than nothing. But how often are we going to continue but, saying that? But, like, w- if you have to put yourself in the, like, are you saying that to the media? Are you, are you actually hoping that a resident is like, oh, Carmelo said I should stop, so I should stop? Like, if you mm-hmm. are if you are in that mindset where you think that is going to do something, then, like, I think you might need to take a step back and reassess your influence because mm-hmm. you know maybe something realer is like going to Baltimore and today like today and you know maybe you know maybe it's Tuesday maybe he's there mm-hmm. his team is very much not in the playoffs right now <laughs> he has a lot of time <laughs> but you know it, it's 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 sad that in events like this posturing is so it, it, it has made me cynical of most public absolutely things, and this is like the conversation of the year. How do black people, some people might call them new blacks, who have ascended to this class, still send messages back because it seems like the direction is like you know these black people are living in the past, and like I've reached this like future blackness. Yeah. How do they speak to their people? Are yeah. they still their people anymore? Yeah, like is, is I don't know. This, like, it's title, like <laughs> yo, it's title. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's all we have to say. Great, about that. Uh, Doreen, thank you yeah. for for hopping on. I'm glad to finally meet you. Got to have you come on again. Talk longer yeah, about other that. stuff. But uh, Rembrandt explains. Uh, 
keep listening for more people to come. Welcome back, everyone, to the third chunk of this uh, Emergency Tuesday Black Folk podcast about uh, the happenings in Baltimore. I am here with Hillary Crosley Coker. Three. Three. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Um, Co-founder of Parlor Parlor Magazine and staff writer at Jezebel and Homie and Hillary was one of those- Feminist Mafia member. Feminist Mafia member. Hillary was one of the people I, I just knew had a bunch of stuff on her mind, probably was having a similar evening to me last night, which was just, like, sad and angry. She said she was making soup last <laughs> night because she was just mad. Angrily making cauliflower soup. <clears throat> That's what I do at 34. And like Doreen and like Jamil, uh, I asked Hillary just to think of a couple things that popped out in her mind of all the things that are happening at the same time, most of which are terrible. And the first thing, which we haven't really touched on yet, but is a a doozy of a, of a a happening is, uh, the mayor of Baltimore, uh, mayor Rollins Blake, that's her name. Um, who is just, this is a factual statement. Um, a black woman. And, uh, the way she has been responding to what's happening in Baltimore has, uh, for many, been for, for me has been just completely out of line, and um, I, I don't think I'm <clears throat> completely alone in that. And uh, what's ha- how are you feeling about uh, her her word choices? her statements just all things about her because you you wanted to talk about her what what made you want to talk about her what what stood out about her so far the mayor has been using (laughs) i don't want to say like that but like i feel like there are a lot of people who are in positions of power who are also of color who tend to use their blackness against me? Like I like want, personally, yeah, personally. just like, like, like coming up. into my apartment, like put your cauliflower soup down, it's going down. Like I yes. don't, but like in a situation where everything is clearly racially motivated, they use the color of their skin to sort of say, "Well, I know implicitly, right?" They yes, don't say it outwardly, but they say, "I know what you're going through, and like I'm the voice of reason, and you should listen to me." Yes. So this craziness that's about to come out of my mouth should then just be taken. Like yeah. you should just accept it because I rose to power. Yes, and- because this is what I look like, and when you take what she says and separate it from what she looks like it's infuriating when you put them together you want yeah like i want to blow up the world because in reality if you are a black female in america you know what you're saying is crazy but you're going to say things like you know, and I wrote a piece about it this morning on on Jezebel, which is why I was late responding to you and coming here. Um, <clears throat> but she basically called the people who were uh, looting thugs, which we all know that term is a, like wildly problematic. She would get torn apart if she was a 
like a, a white anything. It's like one of the yes, and she it's destroyed. And it's one again. You're using your blackness against me. She's like talking about how the evil won't ruin her city. Da da da. She's saying all of these things, but never once does she say, you know, this is what I'm doing to corral the police and the way that they are abusing people who voted for me <laughs> with these things called rough rides where they you know arrest a suspect they cuff them they put them in the back of a van and then they drive all crazy so that you break your spinal cord and yeah. die later or break your neck and you're a paraplegic or yeah. you know are beaten up and sue the city for millions of dollars mm-hmm. which the baltimore sun has written about like I think the city's doled out like $5.7 million in these types of lawsuits because yeah. of this thing that she didn't want to talk about last night while nope. she was shifting the focus to the protesters and the looters. Um, and then this morning, she thanked the police in a tweet for like their hard work last night. And I was like, you know what? Where are your people? Like, where are your people to be like, girl, you sound crazy. Like, where are your friends? Like, like like, did you turn your phone off? Did you? Did your mother? Who like, are your people? It it it, it blew my mind. Like, I I hadn't thought about the idea until you brought it up of if this was coming out of someone else's mouth because I was so like in my mind I was like probably? I was like who <laughs> like it's like like does someone like have like a gun to your head like is there is there something we don't know about like this can't. Is there is there like some dirt that someone's yeah. going to drop some, like, on like, you? Is there some like hostage situation that I don't, or like, is like Mayor De Blasio's moment when he like lightweight looked like he was siding with the protesters and then NYPD decided to cry a river for two weeks? Like, yeah, and like act like they hadn't killed a man on camera yeah. and gotten away with it. It's so <laughs> what like a theme of every single these conversations I've had has just been like this idea of posturing and like at the worst of times people are still like covering their own ass and it's so it's so it's it's like if if you like still like right now this is your moment this is the time this is your moment to just like be different from everyone else that's like like come before you in your position yes like why not why not be that mayor that like stands up for your people instead of the the police force that you're scared of turning against you and the the sad thing is in these moments i can only think of rainisha mcbride's trial in wayne county in michigan and how i felt so vindicated when the man who shot her in the face with a shotgun Yes. Through a screen door because he couldn't door. even be bothered to open nope. it, and then closed the door and had a seat. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and how, as the prosecutor of that county, you know, Kim Worthy was like, "This is not going down. It's not happening. We do not put up with this type of foolishness in my county." Yep, you sir are going to jail. Like, but unfortunately, she only lives in that one place. We can't ship her around. You can't be like can to you different be, counties and cities can around you be all time. Like, can, can you, you just do? bring justice like <laughs> across the country yeah. all the time? Yeah. No. And so we're we have to look to the mayor as sort of the arbiter, or at least like the axis of justice in these cities. Yeah. And it, it she was like, oh no, I'm not giving you that tonight. That's not what you're going to get. You're going to get this respectability politics. You're going to get this rhetoric. You're going to get like. All of the things that are happening because of this, 
the climate that <laughs> I'm clearly okay with in my city. Yeah. Which made me cry, made me furious. I'm like ranting in my bed with my yeah. husband who's yeah. like angry too and yeah. it's just like we're gonna have a heart attack we're gonna die like we're gonna our hearts are gonna explode yep. <laughs> I'm not making it to 35 in November yeah. my birthday but it's so close but so far and I don't I can't and the sad thing is I can't even I don't even want to take the time to imagine the number of names and the number of police officer Officers who will come along with those names who have been killed or have enacted some sort of violence to put the aforementioned person in that space of either dead or the hospital. It's like the I'm 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 very much at a point like with the it went from wow I never would have known this person's name had this terrible thing had happened to oh man like. These names are becoming like these hashtags, and I feel like we're, you know, like they're with that. It almost like loses; it, it doesn't feel real. But then when it's so many, it's like I know, like I interact with these names of people that aren't living as much as I interact with like my friends, like the people in my, like the people in my inner circle it's because it, it's not I like you just can't act like it's isolated or it's like oh this is like this thing that's happening for this period like as I was going to sleep last night <clears throat> and this hat this has happened there have been a couple nights like this where it's like I reach my breaking point about what happens in one city and then right as I'm about to go to sleep I find out about something that just happened in Detroit last night like as <clears throat> As I as I was like starting to just like give up on the night and go to sleep, um, uh, D. Ray, God bless him, um, activist, just a very good human being who I thankfully met at this point. Um, just like I saw him tweet out about someone that was like shot and killed in Detroit, and I was like, okay, like it's just like. This is how days, like, this is how you spend your days, and then this is how, like, you go to sleep. And then the next day, you, you like, <clears throat> you, like, move on to the next city. It's like, we're just, like, like, traversing America. It's just, like, I learn, I get to learn about Baltimore this week. Next week, Detroit. Like, oh, like, this little, like, again. little suburb. Again. You know, it's, like, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it, it is beyond overwhelming. It's become a microcosm of suffer recoup suffer recoup and it and it it always echoes back for me to the moment where Renisha McBride's killer was you know sentenced to jail days later Mike Brown Ferguson explosion yep everything that we watched last night on television just on green screen because you know the media was like we're not going to Ferguson why would we do that uh -uh. so we had to rely on some like tiny local radio station who yep. just happened to be streaming what was going on and you're watching this through like their version of night vision yeah unable to believe what's happening but that was like days so you're like super high I'm crying at my Jezebel computer like I'm a human and then 48 hours later like no yeah. no you're not no one cares and I think that that is what makes me cry every time I see these things happen it's like why do you hate me so much like if I'm here and this is when 
you know, the whole idea of respectability, of respectability politics falls away. And all of the things that my parents sort of taught me about being twice as good, about always being on point, about yeah. knowing who you represent when you step out of this house, don't act a fool because they're going to call me. Like, yeah. none of that is going to save me. Mm-mm. And I think for me, as a, a woman who's married, and the older sister of a little brother who is very big. Like, he's big. Yeah. He's, like, a big dude. He's chocolate. Like, yeah. there's nothing, you know, there's no Jesse Williams about my little brother. <laughs> um, and so I'm always worried about, like, how that's going to play. You know, my husband's a big man, too. Like, I'm always worried about how that's going to play, right? Yeah. And I don't want to be the next contestant on the MSNBC screen, MSNBC screen, like, crying about how my brother got shot or my yeah. husband is dead. Like, like I, I completely, I completely understand why, like, still, like, it used to annoy me so much because just, like, you're a, you're a boy and you have a mom and, like, you're, like, mom is so worried about me every single time I like leave her sight like why won't she just like give me some space like let me live <laughs> let ma. me live like, mom like, fall I'm out here I'm trying to get my like, adult <laughs> like can't swag it out if you're all of mine yeah just like stop saying be careful like my friends can hear that through the receiver <laughs> I'm embarrassed and now <laughs> like I completely like because at the, like genuinely like while I have grown and gotten mature there's not a huge difference between me in the eyes of everyone else at 15 at 20 at 25 at 28 like it's i'm still just like her black son that's like that's (laughs) not that doesn't like live in her house anymore like i'm like that's that is the constant. So, like, why would and America is still America? America so, like, why would her concern lessen. go like, lessen? Like, <laughs> like that that was the moment where I was like, well, of course it hasn't, you know. And I'm just like, and like this is like briefly like the other thing you mentioned was just about this this idea of stress. It's like, like I I'm just like so happy like the stress of having a son like has like kept my mother alive like, this long because it's <laughs> right. so like I can't I can't I can't fathom that stress yet I, I I deal with my own stress and now I'm taking in all this outside stress that the world is like throwing on me every single day but you know like like this like this like, knee-jerk reaction to just like continue to bring black children into the world uh it's nervous it's right uh, like so, I'm obviously not a black man child, um, but I'm the daughter of a black woman who grew up in South Central, yeah. right? And so, like, for me, growing up in the suburbs of California, it's, like, kind of far-fetched for me to, like, be beaten by the police or have any of those things happen. But, because <laughs> I'm lucky. Yeah. That did happen to me in college, and I got beat by the Oakland police. We sued them. Shout out to my lawyer who's always on MSNBC, yeah. John Burris. Love you. You bought me my first car. So did Oakland police. <laughs> but, like, so I had to work through that trauma, right? And not seeing every single cop as, like, some who wanted to me up (laughs) and so I worked through years of getting to that to get here and then now it's like okay so all of the things that you learned in that cold night you know in Oakland 
still true except now instead of beating you they literally just want to kill you and go home like instead of just having your trial be caught up with like the larger group of Oakland police officers who were just like riding around the Bay Area roughing up drug dealers stealing people's stuff and putting them in jail for trumped up reasons because they wanted their car or like their money stacks in their trunk now they're just gonna like kill you on camera choke you out and then go home like and I wish that there was some sort of like silver lining to that right and I was thinking about it and I I don't know if you're a Christian but I was thinking about it at church on Sunday because they were like talking about how you know Jesus brought you through the civil rights movement Jesus and I was like you know what though like <laughs> that's <laughs> I don't want to have to pray my way out of these moments like I just want to live like can I go to work and go home like everybody else literally the the that is the perfect segue because one of our last topics that I'm talking with uh our final two guests is the knee-jerk reaction of uh calling for prayer and and the invocation of the civil rights movement at every uh so i'm going to decrease your stress level by not making you talk about that and making (laughs) jamila and michael talk about that um (laughs) but seriously uh i'm glad I hope this was this has been like a therapy session session for me all day. So <laughs> I'm I'm very Hillary. Thank you for coming. I'm very happy that you're able to <clears throat> get some of this stuff off your chest because it it never it doesn't seem like it's gonna end, but we still have to hope that it will. Um, but yeah, uh, Hillary, thank you for coming and uh, for stay me. tuned. Uh, one more segment on Rembert explains about Baltimore. Welcome back to the final installment of today's emergency Remember to Explains podcast. I am here with Jamila Lemieux, writer and editor of the internet. Of the internet. <laughs> of the internet. <laughs> the internet's Jamila Lemieux and the nation's Michael Denzel Smith, uh, a fellow. They both have been on this podcast before. Thank you for coming back. Hey, guys. Hi. Uh, this seems like a fitting way to end because we're very comfortable, the three of us talking about stuff that... <clears throat> Just like kind of unfiltered, and I think uh, as as the day has gone on, there's, there have been some common themes in each person's uh, what each person wanted to talk about, be it respectability politics, be it posturing um, that's happening, you know, <clears throat> be it on the internet level, be it on the political level, the police level, whatever. But um, <clears throat> one of the things that Jamila, you brought up to me that stood out to you was kind of this the the critique of the idea of rioting right uh why of all the things that kind of have come out of baltimore or you know the numerous other cities that stuff has happened why is that one of the things that you think has stood out 
I'm really bothered by the fact that weeks, in this case, almost two weeks of sustained peaceful protest can garner very little quote unquote mainstream media attention, little attention from folks on the Internet outside of this kind of small world of black writers and thinkers and activists yeah. that we you know, roll with. But the moment where something is on fire, not only are all eyes on city of Baltimore, but there's this idea that the quote unquote rioters are just as bad as the police. Yeah. And because they're behaving, mm-hmm. you know, these people, these young people primarily are behaving in the way that they are, that the actions of the police prior to the death of Freddie Gray involved in the death of Freddie Gray and after the death of Freddie Gray are justified somehow. Yeah. I think <clears throat> I, I would I would actually push it much further than as bad as the police because the reason for like this is why we over police we're not actually over policing you yeah. you see what you're capable of people are like you see what you people yeah. do it's how al- can we not shoot you it's almost this idea of like <clears throat> unprovoked rioting happens right. which i think is an easy thing to put on people when they don't have there, there's like this general like misunderstanding of how black folk are in their neighborhood where it's like, well, I don't, I I don't know what goes on there. Like maybe, maybe rioting, looting happens all the time, but like there's been this, like the, the ease of diverting attention is like, it's set this, but it's it's like, it's so obvious that like you said, like the fire makes everything before it makes like decades of Baltimore and what have happened to economic disenfranchisement, failing schools, poli- uh, corrupt politicians, a national campaign against you via the wire, right? Because as much as people love to show the wire, what does it mean to live in a city that has been come to be defined by the violence of the citizens, the police, the, the politicians, the failed school, all these things that play out as entertainment? Yeah. And this is branded as the greatest show of all time. And these are not black people responsible for this show. You had a lot of black actors and a lot of young black people who were not actors prior to The Wire yeah. that enjoyed some success because of it. But this was a real place. These are real people. And these are stories that are in some ways real. It's not exactly like a uh, made Baltimore like a tourist hub. It's like, oh, <laughs> now it's like, like, well, the troubling thing is like, <clears throat> for me, is like, oh, like the idea of oh, I get, I get, I get black neighborhoods now. Like right. I get black people. I totally understand. Now because I, I, I've, I binge watched that entire show. Absolutely. Which then gives you the allowance of never actually having to go. Exactly. It's like, cause I, I saw it. I, I, I saw it play out on HBO. And when that fire happens, when the CVS goes up, when the cop car goes up, people neglect and not just other folks black folks black folks from black communities black people who grew up in neighborhoods much like west baltimore somehow forget the fact that at the point when a 25 year old encounters a police officer he runs maybe he's got work on him maybe he's done something wrong maybe he hasn't done anything wrong recently but they've had dust-ups and clashes in the past or maybe he's completely innocent of any possible crime but he knows that the aggression with which he's going to be approached could cost him his life. Yeah. And yet we throw it back and ask, why did you run? Like, and 
<laughs> and you're running from the cop in the backdrop of the fact that the school that you may or may not have finished was whack. And your mom doesn't have a job. And maybe that petty hustling you're doing is so that your mom and your little brother can have, you know, can have food and diapers and basic necessities. And they're building a Whole Foods and a Trader Joe's and the Harbor and all of these things. Somebody wants, we do want Baltimore to be a tourist destination, just not for you. Yeah. 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 Freddie Gray's spine was snapped because he looked at a cop wrong. Like, that's essentially, like, what we have to go on right now. We haven't been told anything else. They won't tell us anything. So all you've left us to assume is that he had his spine severed because he looked at a cop wrong. And now you're telling these kids, responding to that violence, not to break windows? Not to break windows. Not to burn down a CVS? Yeah. A CV like this is this is the this is the level of value that is placed on black life right here, right? In that we we can excuse and justify away police violence, no matter how extreme, whether it's Freddie spine Freddie Freddie spine being severed or Rakia being shot for standing in a crowd. Yeah, like it's justified. Everything can be explained away. Everything has a purpose when the police do it. Everything that the police do is heroic. Yeah. But when people are standing They're doing their job. Right. They're doing their job. Because you people are so hard to police. And when people stand up to that and say that is an injustice, say that I'm fighting back for my humanity, you're telling them to be calm. You're telling them that they need to have resolve that they need to not not stoop to that level. What the f- and 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 what in what universe has from from the top the message of just like relax, just like calm down, and, and this like is a, just like act right, like and, that, and, that is yeah. And this is my, my like this is part of my problem is that. You know, we're talking about being in the the midst of a movement right now, Mm -hmm. right? I think since Trayvon Martin was killed, we've been living under a movement moment. Mm -hmm. And now you have everyone trying to chime in about how to conduct the movement, right? People that have never protested before, Mm -hmm. people that have never organized before, people all have ideas on how you're supposed to do it. Right. People who've never been disturbed by black people getting people, killed by the police are telling us how we're supposed exactly, to do it. Yeah. Exactly. People had never gave a about black death before. Now telling everyone else how to conduct a movement, right? And, and using history, using their Disney-fied version of history, specifically the civil rights movement. Going like... Quote.com to, to, to say looking up. this is this is the way that it's done as if Watts never existed, yeah. as if Chicago never existed, as if the threat of black violence was not part of that movement, as if the politicians weren't paying attention to the nonviolent protesters because they were scared of the more militant forces out there actually coming in if they did not capitulate in some ways. Yeah. Right. So so there's that. And then there's also just the idea that you're telling people in a completely different political moment 
that they're going to apply the same tactics from before. Like, it's not the dignity of nonviolent protesters that got white people to look at, at those images and say, you know what? Those people out there in their suits and their ties quietly <laughs> marching down the street, they deserve their rights. No! What, what nonviolent direct action did was disrupt and it, it provoked violence. Yeah. And when that violence was enacted on those black bodies, the blood and, and, and the broken bones and everything, was th- those images are transmitted in homes across America and across the globe. And people were horrified. The United States reputation. Guilt. 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 The United States global reputation is damaged. Right. And they're in the midst of this Cold War. They're, they're trying to win against the Soviet Union. Yeah. Like, you can't afford these types of things. Mm. And you also have a federal government, you know, post-FDR, that's willing to use executive power to come in. And maybe it's an overreach, but you, willing to use that power to go into these neighborhoods, to, to use the National Guard to protect them, to, 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 to you know, pass laws that, are, that uh, affect states, right? You don't have that anymore. You don't have the ability to do that. What you have is... is a population so indifferent to the the suffering of black people that they don't care if those images come into their home. Yeah. They will justify it. And then you have a United States that's not ashamed of anything that it does. Like, it, it feels no remorse. Mm-hmm. It does not care that... Japan thinks it, that that the, the way it treats its the, the United States treats its citizens is abhorrent. It doesn't care. Yeah. It doesn't care if China like like ha- like everybody <laughs> it does not care. So you're telling people to use the same tactics that work during that time period now. It's not going to be the same result. So maybe. Just maybe those rocks and those bricks and that fire is going to be what's necessary because you weren't talking about them before. I even, you didn't you didn't even it wasn't even taught like didn't even acknowledge that it existed. It wasn't like, a problem. No, it was just a thing that happens. Yeah, you, police officer approaches you. You don't do what you're supposed to do. You might get killed. You understand why we arm our police officers. You understand their role in the community. They are there to uphold the law. But the law is designed to protect property, and first and people. foremost, yeah. white people, and police officers. Yeah. That's it. We are not treated as citizens at the point in which we encounter cops. We are treated as potential suspects or confirmed you are a suspect. You are a suspect. Yeah. Like CNN saying suspect, suspect laid to rest. Yeah, suspect that. laid to rest. Or Anderson Cooper last night saying a possible rioter, a possible looter, instead of saying a possible peaceful protester when a young man walks by. And the idea that we have, there are few spaces outside of social media, outside of these, you know, liberal-leaning places where we write, mm-hmm. that allow us to adequately grieve mm-hmm. or to say, hey, I don't want a CVS. I don't necessarily want to see a CVS or a cop car catch fire, but I understand why it had to happen. Or I had to understand why it was inevitable. The idea that we're not given space to simply gather and say, 25-year-old kid who's not carrying a gun, who's not carrying a a a, you have a straight razor, right, that the police officer doesn't see because I don't search you until I've already gotten you beaten down to the ground. I didn't give you a chance to say, okay, what do you got on you, man? Hands up. 
And the community is like, look, why is this person in this? Why is he in the hospital in that sort of condition? And six days later, why is he dead? We're not allowed to do that. And so then for the mayor and the governor and, and, and the president of the United States to say we respect the right of peace uh, of citizens to peacefully protest and assemble. Well, we know that's a lie. It's a, it's a We've been allowed. Lie. It, it's allowed. It's a damn lie. People in New York. In D.C., it's a little bit different. People, because these are cities where sustained protest actions are happening all the time. The mm-hmm. labor unions, the Chinese, all sorts of folks are protesting consistently damn near every single day of the year in New York and Washington, also, D.C. Also, it's harder and to hide stuff in harder Washington, to hide D.C. Stuff like, in Washington. It's the size of this room. Yeah. You know, and... and, and you can't get away with this much You stuff, can't get right? away with it. But you, we watched you tell these people that they had the right to do it, and then immediately they're met with riot gear. Who's provoking a riot? I'm just a kid. I'm just really, I'm trying to get home, and I kind of wanted to see what's going on because I'm upset. And you shut down my way home. It's 3 o'clock, and I'm met by a police officer in riot gear. What do you expect to happen? Right, right. And stop calling me to condemn the so-called rioters. Like, like I... I this, just this morning, I ignored phone calls and emails from Fox News Radio because it's like ask a Negro moment now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and what they want to hear is they want to hear a voice of reason. Like they want somebody, one, they want somebody to beat up on, but then they want you yeah. to, to then yeah. say, they want you to say exactly what the mayor said about these folks. It's like they're thugs, yeah. they're criminals, they're animals. No, they're in the middle of an uprising. Like, this is rebellion. Watching it go from just blanket statement rioters, blanket statement riots, blanket statement looters, to this idea of like maybe what they're doing is for a greater purpose. Like the idea of even like we we tend to only throw uprising on what we what we believe as these like massive like countrywide things like these moments like these moments in history and yeah if it's Egypt Egypt. yeah if it's if it's something like like oh there's there are uprisings happening over there uprisings don't happen in your backyard so when it's against a a a dictatorship right yeah we can't have an uprising in a democratic nation yeah exactly it's inconceivable that there's a part of the population that's not experiencing democracy that right. wouldn't have their voices heard and valued it wouldn't it's inconceivable that there are actively people telling you that the way to participate is through voting and then curving your voting yeah. rights right like yeah. that's just not possible not in america no there's no way that the american system of policing and mass incarceration is effectively apartheid for black americans yeah. no way because there's a black president, so where he didn't get a jail. he didn't go to jail. Clearly, he's not rioting. He's not rioting. Why can't you be more like him? Except for don't be like him when he's trying to pass some legislation. Because we don't <laughs> yeah, want that. Yeah. We don't want We're to trying to get that. Loretta in here. Like no, nope. <laughs> oh, too far, too far. Um, one other thing that uh, you brought up uh, when we were speaking earlier was this idea. Uh, this idea of. Again, and I think in a in a universe of knee jerk reactions that often happen when the fire starts, uh, is this I, the the reaction of getting a community to 
to call for prayer and come together under the auspices of, I guess, praying it away, mm -hmm. praying it better. Um, explain what you mean by that. I don't want to. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I feel that for lots of people, speaking specifically about Black people in this country, prayer has become in some ways, a safe space to hide from reality. Okay. I Now, personally, I'm a praying woman. I do pray. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. I have a personal relationship with God and the universe, and we, we talk about things. I express gratitude. I express pain. I express my desire for everyone who went to the streets of Baltimore last night to be able to go home and wake up in their beds yeah. safe and sound. But the idea that what we really need to do right now is pray. And it goes back to this idea of a time for healing. That's been a very mm -hmm. big buzzy phrase since Trayvon, since, you know, the, the beginning of Ferguson. Yeah. It's a time for healing. How do we heal if we know that everyone in Baltimore goes in the house and this is done and we're quiet and we accept the inevitable non-indictment of those six police officers? That in three weeks, not even in three weeks, it happened again last night in Detroit, in Detroit in right? Detroit, yeah. It happened last week in Philadelphia. We accept that we're praying and we're healing and we're trying, you know, and I guess healing for us means not yelling at police officers or stealing baby formula in Georgia. I think healing just means like being, being respectable again. Being I mean, good, being, being good. good enough. And that's the thing. I refuse to make a case for the humanity of black people that requires us to be good enough to be human. Mm. We are good enough. The violent criminal, the president, the attorney general, the black mayor who called black people who are simply in the streets of Baltimore criminals. I, I respect their humanity. I acknowledge it. And I expect nothing less from, from myself, from all of you. And I just, I'm at the point now where... I've always just personally and professionally, I've been far more interested in having engaging black people in conversations about blackness and black issues mm -hmm. and trying to find ways to affirm our right to exist, our right to feel happy, our right to feel pleasure, our right to be okay. And I see in this particular case that so many of us, people we know, love, respect, drink with, hang with, work with, are struggling with the concept of respecting the humanity of somebody who might have broke a brick out of a beauty supply store and walked off with a bunch of weave. If that weave in that moment, first of all, if you are so disenfranchised and so broken and so in pain that in the midst of all this, the idea that you could get a couple of bundles of hair and when this all settles down, you sit down, your hair's going to be laid and you got it for free and you didn't like the way the lady in the store looked at you anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not here to attack you for that. <laughs> right. Like it's not like it's real. like in that moment, it's not about the, the physical material products. Anyway, it is about showing you I you have no respect for me and my humanity. Yep. And I am showing yep. you exactly the yeah. same amount of respect that you have that you've shown me. It's 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 this idea that there was again, there was nothing before that person went into that store. Right. There was not like an entire lifetime exactly. of, of surveillance while they went in that store, right. like questioning oh, whether you could afford gouging. it. Can you like, open a hair? Can I open a hair store in Baltimore? Or do yeah. I have to be from another continent? Yeah. Do I have to be from another community? It's like, it's you've, you've like hit me like 10,000 times 
And on this one day, I'm Strike gonna just like once. just hit you once, and like that once, right. you're like no fair, no, no. fair. Like, right. Becomes you're always hitting. Like that one becomes the thing you talk about. Like I think that is like oh that is just so like anyone. I, I have to believe that anyone that I respect or anyone that I think is like a uh, moderately a, a, intelligent. Yeah, moderately <laughs> intelligent person just hasn't thought about it from that angle yet. I can't imagine, you know, just like hasn't and that and that's 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 real. Like that's a very real thing. Like like getting thrown all this stuff about this place you might not know a lot about and like you just get sucked in. Right. Like with these with these moments like you have to you have to absorb stuff but then like you gotta do a little. You got, like you gotta like walk around the check. block. You gotta like, do a little. You gotta check yourself. Yeah, like because even if you don't know a lot about Baltimore, even though you binge watched The Wire for three seasons when yeah. you were in college or whatever, we saw this with Ferguson. We saw this in the '60s. We saw this in the early '90s. This isn't a new concept. This isn't the first time that we've seen uprising. And I'm trying to unlearn the word rioting. Like I'm trying to be very deliberate about not saying it here anymore. Even if you could say, okay, well, burning cars, whatever. We see rioting when sports teams win or lose on college campus. The Keen Pumpkin Festival ended in riots. Ended in riots that were like inspired by Ferguson. Like some of the kids that they stopped and said, why are you doing this? And they said, we've had enough of the police. Enough of the police doing what? Offering you a ride home. <laughs> they didn't give you any Cool Whip for your pie. I'm. It's so hard out here at Pumpkin Fest because I heard there was a sweet potato fest down the street and they're competing. Like, I don't know. Like That's rioting. Yam Fest. Because it's Yam Fest. Because it's senseless. Mm-hmm. It's simply for the pleasure of of being bad, the people of Baltimore, I would imagine, I haven't been there yet. I'm hoping to get there in the next few days or not. Yeah. But either way, I what I know about being black is that they're not enjoying It's not this. It's It doesn't, like that one fleeting moment that of, one That one hit yeah. like feels good in the way just like Screaming at the top of your just like just like releasing feels good, but it's not like you don't want to do it again. Right. Like that, that like that's the thing. It's like it's this idea of like they've been waiting yeah. to here's, here's to the thing. No one wants to live in a state of perpetual violence. Hey, that's why they're doing. That's why they're doing. It. It. No one's like, oh, I love living in a state of perpetual violence. It's like just like. Like, it's retributive violence. It's, this is what happens when you are violent, when you live under violent conditions. Yeah. And it's not as simple of, like, if you've lived somewhere your whole life, and this is your community, it's not as simple as, I want out, because it's your community. You just want everyone else to just, like, treat you like a human. That's it. But that is just, like, that 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 very easy concept is so far away it's so far away and you know if if you if you haven't gotten to that point of thinking about every side of something like what happened monday night like like you like you have to like you have to get there like i people i i have no issue with people you know 
being emotional and maybe not nailing issues right on the head as they're happening. But like you have to like you have to get there. Yeah, it's a good thing. Like like and with 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 every passing city that this happens in with every passing like black boy black girl that dies like you should get there quicker and quicker and quicker and I, you know i'm not really giving people over the age of 24 much more time to get there at this point because we've been observing this for so long particularly mm-hmm. since 2012 mm-hmm. as you said earlier and if you are going to raise your voice as one and one of my favorite scholars dr gregory card howard university tweeted this you know in effect tweeted this earlier if you're going to position yourself as a thought leader a punt as a mm. scholar or just a thinker a pundit or mm. journalist who, who's going to go on tv who's going to write and who's going to attempt to translate what's happening here for other people i need you to do that work yeah. because like you said i got the fox news request this morning too and i just ignored it because i'm not going to go on tv or on the radio and apologize for people who are hurting who've been abused for decades upon decades upon decades i'm not going to make excuses for them when just this very week i don't need to make excuses for them exactly when just this very week the baltimore sun released a report that they did about how many millions of dollars the city has paid to the victims of police brutality since 2011 this is only three years Right. This yeah. isn't a long period of time that they paid millions and millions of dollars and how it is created to this, how it's contributed to this destructive cyclical tension between yeah. over police people I mean, and violent police officers. And just think about think about that, though. They're willing to pay millions of dollars for the right to keep it, to keep to keep doing, keep doing it. Right. Like they, and, and that's the system that you're up against. They are willing to pay out that money so that they can fret, uh, s- sever Freddie Gray's spine. Right. Like th- that—that's the mentality that we're, yeah. we're wrapped up in. We would, and you're telling me that the protests are not going to be effective unless they remain peaceful. Like that—that's—that's that's the climate that you're you're putting this into. Yeah, and it's it's. And then, yeah. and then, bringing up King, <laughs> bringing him in. Like, do, do we have like a, a online King quote generator for God, these the, moments? The, that, like, 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 yeah, it's childish Gambino. Like, because you can like everyone has a quote at the ready. The 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 moment the first rock is thrown. But we have to, to, the thing you is, have to see that if you are using King as a cudgel for the maintenance of the status quo, you are doing it wrong. You are like you are completely misreading his legacy. You are completely misreading his message. You deliberately. Deliberately. Oh, yeah, that's we the, have the easiest King quote ever for this particular writing is the language of the unheard. We can lean on that here. That's easy. If but you're if, doing King 101, but if that's, not, that's if, page five. If that doesn't work for your blog post, though, then you got to ignore that one. Like, depending on who you are, King was alive for like three years. <laughs> like, whatever three years you needed him to be alive. Some people was alive for 30 seconds. For, for, for <laughs> literally as long as it says to like make a, that quote. Those ransom notes from old movies where they like quote, like they cut words out of magazines. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, that's how most yes. King quotes exist at this point. Like it's, you can't see the ellipses, but it's like, yeah. I believe violence, no good. Yeah. Dr. King. <laughs> King. 65. MLK. Uh, well, yeah. Um, 
that that's all I got. I'm just sad. Yeah. Um, I'm I mean, um, yeah. I've been on the verge of tears that won't come for days and days and weeks and weeks and months and months. Yeah, and it's like it gets to the point where, you know, this was my response. I was like, today was like some self care for me. It was like I can either go to Baltimore and not know what's going to happen to my like. I, I didn't know what was going to happen if I went to Baltimore today because I just like I was like I just kind of need to talk. I, I, today mm-hmm. it just has to be a day by day thing. It's like Tuesday, yeah. talk some of this stuff out. Who knows what like because that's the thing and just like who knows what will happen on Wednesday? Like that's how mm-hmm. that's how like that's how yeah. like who knows where we'll need people on Wednesday like that's or like by the end of two like it's just it's so it's just like blow by blow like it like you begin to really feel how people in these communities like you get a glimpse into how they feel every day when just like every day like something else happens that you just like seem to have no control over and it, it it, it, you're not helpless, but it's often you have those moments. And like last night was one of those moments where I was just like, I don't know what to do. I, I, I genuinely don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. Uh, so I'm just going to go to sleep. I woke up at three in the morning and wrote and wrote and wrote mm-hmm. and wanted to figure out a way to get to Baltimore and debated that with my mother who's visiting because I'm a parent. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I'll bring a sitter with me. They can stay in a hotel and it's fine. Like, I need to be there. But it's just like, aside from maybe being able to tell a nice story or something interesting, like, I can't fix it. Yeah. It drives me crazy that I can't fix it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank both of y'all for coming. Uh, thank you. Thank uh, Doreen. Thank Jamil. Thank Hillary for coming through earlier. It's been like an hour and a half of talking about black people and. It's like a bummer, but better than not talking about it at all. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Hope you will return for further podcasts. Jamila, Michael, thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts.